calling all the cannabishes. Welcome to High Tea. High Tea is a high vibe podcast for women who also smoke weed. This is a thoughtful and blunt exploration of pot and its magic, the role it has in the lives and processes of cool and creative people everywhere, and an evolving cannabis culture that we're seeing happen before our very eyes. We're going to talk to some of the most interesting names in and out of the industry, sharing stories, trying shit first, and connecting women all around the world who use cannabis creatively. When we met Sister Kate at Lyft, I knew, and I think you did too, that we had to talk to her because of... I mean, she's just a lovely person. It was the moon cycles for me. I was like, yeah. your moon cycles. What? So, so they grow according to the moon cycles. And that to us was fascinating. And they package the product even telling yeah. you which moon cycle was it was cultivated with. And yeah. their connection and this notion of cannabis being a gift from Mother Earth. I mean, that's what I, that's yeah. my mantra. It's yeah. a gift from Mother Earth. But yeah. that th- this gift from Mother Earth can be what bridges the gap in healing and yeah. humanity. Like it just resonated with me. I think we spent more time talking to her than anybody else. Oh, for sure. Definitely. We probably spent more time talking to her than we talked like on the stage. <laughs> that's, that's definitely possible. Um, but what I found so fascinating is when she talked to us about the vows that the Sisters of the Valley take, and I don't remember all of them off the top of my head, but, and they're not the conventional vows that you think of. Like she said, their, their vow around celibacy is kind of a, a bit of a twist on celibacy. So it's not necessarily that they're abstaining from sex. It's optional. You can have sex. It's, they just don't put it on blast. So they don't, they don't dress sexy. They don't talk about sex all no, the time. I can't they be don't. a nun. Yeah, maybe you can. <laughs> but I just found that fascinating because it's not its not so black and white. Like with Catholicism, it's super black and white. No sex before marriage right. or you're a sinner. Right. Whereas these women are taking it kind of into their own hands. and Well, it's this notion of ancient wisdom and mm-hmm. just living according to what feels right and according to your gut and sort of what your higher self knows, right? Yeah, yeah. Versus the law the, that some yeah. dudes wrote in a book. Some old white men. Well, what I thought was intriguing was that they live without men at yes. all from the new moon into the full moon. Mm-hmm. And that's when they plant the seeds and then they invite the men back into the community to feast with them oh they're also vegan from the new moon to the full moon yeah and then from and then from the full moon to the new moon they invite the men in and they feast and they harvest and they'll eat Mm -hmm. meat and they'll you know cultivate the crop yeah. And I'm like, I could live like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll let Sister Kate explain more about what she does and where she came from. Um, we had such a fascinating chat with her. So here is Sister Kate. Although all of us are wrestling with the last 
dying grasp of a fascist regime, like they're trying to hold on so tight that fas- fascism has made a comeback. You mm-hmm. guys even had your court in in uh, in Mississauga, right? Did yes. Ford get elected? Okay. Yeah, he's now been elected. So our this is the last dying grasp premier. of the, a dying paradigm, right? Right. Yeah. And they, it's not sustainable. They will not win. But so in 2011, when Michelle Obama tried to talk to Congress about how unhealthy our children's meals are. The U.S. Congress filibustered so they wouldn't have to listen to the black woman speak on nutrition. And a week later, they, they got together on taxpayer dollar to vote to make pizza vegetables. So the pizza would, so yeah. the, the children's meals would look healthier than they actually are. Wow. So at that point, when, when my Congress declared pizza vegetable, I declared myself a nun. It yeah. was October of 2011. I had just begun the Occupy Movement. I was running a cannabis business where I was delivering cannabis only to the sick and dying because that's those yeah. are the only people that the doctors would refer me to here. They were so conservative here. Here in the Central Valley of California, you're like the, in the Iowa of California or the Alabama of California. I see. I see. So the only ones that died, so and then because these people were usually terminal or in really bad shape, if they, their insurance didn't pay for it, if their kids didn't buy it or someone they loved or they couldn't afford it, we would often take it to them anyway. So right. it, would, it I, was, I was feeling like a nun anyway right. at the moment that I said, if, if pizza is a vegetable, then I'm a nun. I had uh, like five teenage boys that I was cooking for and gardening for, and my daughter, my brother's boys, my boys, my daughter at the time. Um, and so I felt like a nun. I was totally in service morning till night to either growing teenagers or college-aged kids or to a clientele that I was delivering, a local clientele that was bedridden or neurologically disordered or Absolutely. dying. You're healing. That needed their cannabis. Absolutely. And how quickly has Sisters of the Valley grown? Have you Are you surprised by how everything has kind of taken off? I mean, I wanted to be a nun when you were speaking to me. I wanted to be a sister. <laughs> That's wonderful. I'm sure you'll make a beautiful one. Thank you. I, um, not that that's necessarily a requirement. I just I think you'll be both beautiful um, as sisters. Um, and because you're already kind of on the sacred holy mission, right? Yeah. You're already doing the work. And that is kind of how we're growing. We're growing um, because uh, I set out to create something that connected to an energy stream that's already going on across the planet. So uh, women who are already working in this space, we don't expect them to come in and be a student to me or to anyone, unless they choose to learn something that they didn't know before, like making sage bundles or making our topical sand. But there's no, there's no like hierarchy. If, if the women are already working in this space, it's a matter of question of when do you want to take your vows. Right. And what do you want to be the commercial relationship we have? Because we're all about creating wealth for women and women owning businesses and women owning property. Because unfortunately, we're never going to change the earth plane to be like heaven. What we have to do is learn to play with the game the way the game is built. And capitalism is not going to die any day soon. And so what we need to do is get better at that game so that we can make laws. Right. Boom. Yeah, it's so true. Um, can you also tell so me? So you're yeah. running, I'm sorry, okay. I, I'll interrupt Michelle. No, so you're running yeah. into a lot of 
issues playing the game, I'm sure, like even through Etsy and payment processors. I mean, I know California's in front of the parade in terms of cannabis, but can you talk to us a little bit about what you've come up against? Yes. Um, so our growth has been phenomenal. The worldwide recognition, we did a good job of, of uh, fashioning our message and our belief system loose enough that women, smart, smart, highly elevated, eyes wide open women would be attracted to our operation. And rich women, poor women, medium income women, women from Africa, women from the Philippines, we've connected our message. More importantly, we have men who are equally as interested. And we don't want to be anti-men, we love our men. Our men didn't create this mess. Our men are feminists as well. Right. So we don't want to exclude them, we don't want to beat them up. We make, we have specific roles for our men, even here on the farm. Uh, they are considered our protectors, but not in the old-fashioned way where they yell, get in the house, I'm getting my gun, but right. more in a way of if they're obligated to keep their ears to the ground, okay. to sometimes go to political meetings or places where politicians in our town gather, to listen to what the people say and report it back to the sisters as an ancient wisdom. Here's what your town's saying about you. Here's what your mayor's saying about you. Here's what I heard on the streets. I'm bringing this information back as a gift to you, sisters. Everything we do, we try to do in a very gentle, ancient wisdom kind of way because we're all starving for that charm and grace that we need back in our lives, that ritual. Right. Okay, can you talk to me a little bit more about that? Like, if as a, if yes. as a female, we've tapped into this angry, fiery, masculine energy, say, how do we use cannabis and ritual and cannabis as ritual to connect back to that female, you know, strong, you know, yin warrior type, you know, that that the culture and society seems to be like gravely missing. Yes, but but what you, you, and even though we don't, we're not big on ritual use of cannabis or anything like this. Oh, our, I'll explain our ceremonies and that'll make sense to you. Okay. But we do believe in passing, what if you pass a, a joint in a circle with the brothers and the sisters, any or any group of people, that anger is going to dissipate. Cannabis dissipates anger. Right. And cannabis clears the head chakra for a more enlightened perspective, an otherly perspective. It, it tends to uh, mitigate, if not wipe out narcissism, if just for a few moments. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and it doesn't work 100% on all the people, but we are, any of us who have sat in a stoner circle understand that this has happened. People don't get, you know, contrary to myth, they don't get stupid. They get enlightened. They get free of their worries for a little time so that they can ponder other perspectives. And oh. that is what separates us from the animal. Wow. Yes. You just nailed it. You just nailed it. I mean, I suppose we don't know that cannabis doesn't bring perspective to the animals, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't know because we've oftentimes, we certainly have a heck of a time keeping the animals away from our cannabis. No doubt. I guess if we could interview them, we could find out. <laughs> Um, so can you talk to me a little bit more about your ceremony, about your connection to the moon? I have a friend who's a male who 
lives in the woods and he grows and he's sort of naturally organically come to connection to growth growing you know with the moon cycle and so when I saw that it was such an integral part of your brand um, that it's actually even on the packaging which which moon and which cycle and which year that it was grown you know planted and harvested I, I'm so intrigued by that because Michelle and I, I mean, Michelle, if it's too much information, but Michelle and I were just talking about how the fact we've totally aligned our own cycles yeah. and female cycle, moon cycles to the moon and to each other. And I'm just curious about that because we live in the city and there's such a disconnect to nature as a woman and as a wild woman, as Clarissa Pinkola Estes calls us. <laughs> and I'm I'm intrigued about how you kind of came back to that in yourself through the plants. So um, everything that I've done since the beginning, so between 2011 and 2014, the Sisters of Valley was an idea. But it was an idea that, as an activist, I didn't want a religion. I didn't want to form a religion. I didn't want to form a nonprofit. Those institutions abuse people or are a vehicle for abuse. The, uh, at least in our country, uh, religions pick the pockets of the poor, and we have mega churches. And, and, and where in Canada, I think most people just completely outgrown religion, um, but but not spirituality. And they're mm-hmm. more, you, you're more likely in Canada to have people who've you know fashioned their own thing than you are in America. Right. So, um, and I'm talking in broad paintbrushes here, uh, you know, for the record. Yeah. But. Um, I, I didn't want a nonprofit. I didn't want religion. Not, the NFL is a nonprofit. That's a corrupt institution when you know that the NFL makes a gazillion dollars in profit every year. Yeah. So we didn't want to be either of those. But what we did want to do is set out, or what I wanted to do at the time, is just set out to create something that empowers women. Something that combines spirituality, activism, and service to the people. Something that would be like an order of nuns out from another era, uh, or an order of nurses and healers. I looked at the cannabis plant and thought about my ancestors in from the castles in Europe, and that connected to the Beguines, who are the, were the first organized nurses in the Middle Ages in Europe, wow. and they grew hemp. And they grew holistic medicines out on their farms, but they also kept an apartment in pretty much every castle in Europe to serve the town folk. And they were known for their excellence. Okay, so this is what we're reaching for in this Build-A-Bear religion. I call it Build-A-Bear because (laughs) I, I set out to attract women like yourself very smart, very savvy, very ahead of me in all of this stuff, because some of the women I know have been practicing this stuff all their lives, um, and connect us all, like like we're all reaching up and pulling on a cord from the same tram, uh, but as an energy stream around the planet. And so that is indeed what is happening. I'm getting women, shivers. 10,000 10, or more people from around the world want to join us, because they get that. Wow. Incredible. I have shivers. I'm not kidding. The whole thing, the whole time you're talking. <laughs> so, so, and, and it's about setting out to make the sisterhood. Like, I'm a Catholic. I was raised by the nuns. I tried to, I let, my children were in a Catholic school and we attended a Catholic church in the Netherlands because it's very enlightened there. The experience over there is very different than the experience here. The children's catechism was led by a Jewish man and his mm-hmm. wife. 
Mm -hmm. And they taught him about ancient rituals first, before they taught him about the two major religions that they would study, Christianity and Judaism. But they, but they spent as much time on ancient wisdom and ancient rituals as they did on Christianity and Judaism. And they downplay the whole Christianity thing because they're like, oh, the whole Jesus thing, we're not sure we can prove it. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Dutch. It was a scholarly experience, and then I bring them back to America, and I had to completely abandon any connection with the Catholic Church because of their stupid crosses on their front lawns. I mean, my God, I felt like I stepped back into 1920. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they don't respect women. They deserve to lose what they're losing, and they are losing. When I was growing up, there were 350,000 estimated nuns in America, Catholic nuns. Now there's less than 20,000. The average age of a new Catholic nun in America is that they join. A new nun joins at 78 years old. No. Well, I'm sorry. Wow. What is a celibacy vow when you're 78? Come on. You've done it. So, um, and the average <laughs> age of an existing nun is like 85, and they're dying at about 10,000 a year, and there's only 20,000 left. So, you do the math. Wow. They're basically extinct, and they're not replenishing their ranks. I mean, there's small little places where uh, they've got some things going on, but mainly, they're on their own. They've been abandoned. So, when I set out, um, I, I maybe didn't say this, but when I set out, in the three years where I was contemplating the launch of the sisterhood and what would that look like? The question was, what would it look like if you launched a, a women empowerment organization as a spiritual, activist, and service-oriented business? What would that look like, and how would you run that? So that was the question. And in my pursuit, I, I was invited by natives to spend five days at the top of a mount, holy mountaintop with 60 tribes from Alaska to Mexico. Um, practicing ancient wisdom for five days. And that totally lit a fire under my butt to come home and start this. And as in starting it, I could have, like, adopted a more Native American look and offended the Natives, or I could offend the Catholics, and I chose of the two to offend the Catholics. Good, good move. <laughs> I think that's a good move. Considering that the U.S. is, uh, you know, built on a Native American... Well, yeah burial ground, I think uh, it's right. probably a good move. Yeah. <laughs> we, exactly. see what, we see what's happening. Okay, so that's where sort of the illumination connection to cannabis materialized for you or moon cycle or just oh, everything? No, I, was, um, I raised my children in the Netherlands and when right. I was going through my I thought, also grew up in the Netherlands, so I get it. Oh, <laughs> oh it's a lovely experience, isn't mm -hmm. it? Yeah, well, I was only there for three years, but yeah, it was good. It was very interesting. Yeah. Early 90s. So my, I, we were there nearly a decade. My um, doctor said to me when I was going through menopause, do you smoke weed? And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, you need to smoke more. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Because I was you. complaining about my symptoms. Interesting. So that's when I started first to recognize, when he said, you need to smoke a whole joint before you go to bed and lay off the alcohol and the caffeine until your symptoms go away. Yep. And my symptoms went away just by taking his advice. And I thought he was brilliant. And that really... Uh, all my life, I've been more likely to do holistic solutions than to trust doctors anyway. Same. But um, that, that started a journey, started into discovery of the healing of the cannabis plant. Great. Okay, interesting. And then the moon cycle? Well, I had already met, uh, this 
land that I'm in, in the Central Valley of California, used to be Mexico anyway. Oh. And so I had met a number of women who were wives of growers when I was running my co-op to deliver cannabis to the sick and dying, who were making, had made, were using recipes of their ancestors for making cannabis tincture and cannabis liniment and things like that. So I was really introduced to it by the locals of this area. And that's another reason why I don't want to leave this area. I feel obligated. And I'm always telling women of color all the time, it's your ancestors who glorified this plant. It's mine who demonized it. So you right. need to step up and claim some of the industry. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Truth. Okay, so can you go back? You said you asked yourself, what does a spirituality, activism, service-oriented business look like? Can you, yes. What does it look like? What, so, like how does this all work? It always is, it's always more, uh, there's always more form in the definition than there is in real life. Right. <laughs> so I'm going to start <laughs> out by saying that. Because we're very open to media, and, we, and we've never spent a cent on advertising, and we grew from first year, one sister, me, and 60,000 sales, to third year, like uh, five sisters here on this farm doing 1.1 million in sales. So we grew very fast, and partly it's because in claiming the the garb, in claiming the habit, the nun gear, basically, we also felt like we have an obligation to not be secret. We believe that uh, secrecy, lack of transparency, ruins families, ruins religions, ruins corporations, ruins politicians, and so we have this thing about transparency that everybody kind of knows what's going on all the time. We have no surprise rules, no secret rules. We try to operate our farm and our lives as if we were like a new age Amish sect. Mm-hmm. We're, so even though we're at a little farm where we all work here in the Central Valley, we, all have, we have so much Wi-Fi here, we built our own tower. Plus, we have two other Wi-Fi servers. And partly that's because we're very open to visitors from the uh, around the world coming and staying with us. We're open to the media coming here. And it's because we want to show that we're not hiding anything. We don't have any guns. We don't have any pornography. We don't have anything bad going on here. It's all holy. And then, and then we are what we say we are. There's no secrets. There's no surprise. Just weed. <laughs> Just weed. And lots of it. And lots of different flavors. So I think that kind of brings us to our next question, which is talking about the movie Breaking Habits. How did that come about? And can you talk a little bit about your experience in con? So I'm going to take this opportunity to also plug the book, The Accidental Nun, which um, I suppose it's a little late getting out, but it's due to me from my first hundred copies are due from Amazon any day now. Amazing. Fantastic. Um, well yeah, done. And that tells kind of the complete backstory to of what all happened to me before I became a nun and before I founded this order. Amazing. But the movie, so the first year that I, or in 2014, when I wanted to, I was planning to launch this business. And I started this business on January 1st of 2015. And yes, we've had banking ups and downs. You've asked about that. And we've had a lot of challenges with the law, with the post office, with MasterCard, Visa, American Express, and Discover. But every battle we've taken, we've won. And I believe that's because we are connected to that holy energy stream that's going around the planet and that's connecting you and uh, you two and I today. So uh, there, those things, they do stop us sometimes or trip us, but they never stop us. 
Yeah. And so they're hardly worth giving any airtime because we're sort of unconquerable because we're working in a holy area that Mother Goddess and the planet Earth are re- are rewarding. They're with us because they know we're on a mission to sort of save the people and the planet. Yeah, you can feel it so, too, can't you? The momentum. So what was the question? I'm sorry, I got a little off. off uh, that, oh, yeah, tell us about Khan and, and the film. Oh, and the, oh book. the movie. Yeah. Okay, so back in 2014, I wanted a CBD crop. But I really didn't know how to grow, and I was on my own. I was empty nester living in a little uh, rented house by the railroad track. And my kids were off at college. They came home sometimes. But I wanted to start a cannabis business. Um, I had put down the the care growers, the nonprofit that I ran with my brother because we had some family issues. And I was living, and I wanted to grow. So the only way, I didn't know how to grow. So I had to make a deal with some black market growers. So they were growing in this abandoned property in a little town about 30 minutes away. And they were growing 60 plants. They were planning to get about 6 to 10 pounds per plant, so big crop. And so, and I sort of worked very hard to put this deal together where one guy bought the property. So interestingly enough, the Mexican guy bought the property. Then there was two, another Mexican guy who knew all about growing weed. And there was a white guy from here, <laughs> not to put color on the whole thing, but I'm painting a picture, mm-hmm. who uh, sort of helped broker the deal. And all of us were going to do our piece, and we all get a quarter of the crop. So for me to get 15 CBD plants that might give me anywhere from three to five pounds per plant, I offered to do security on the crop. <laughs> I need to, and this was as I was sister occupy out and about as the anarchist activist sister. I offered to do security. I had never owned a gun. I had never fired a gun. And I even do all kinds of stuff. I'm an anti-gun activist. Right. But I bought an RV and I bought a gun and I learned how to use the gun because that was the only thing I could do to get them to let me grow a quarter of the crop. They did not want to grow CBD. Wow. Really? So in my gardening experience, I got shot at. And when the British filmmakers found out about the story... They decided they wanted to make a movie about a documentary film about it. So they came over like four times over two years and filmed intensively during those four visits and then made a film from that. Is that did you say BBC did the, the film? Did I get my CBD? No, sorry. Who did the film with you? The BBC? No, no. It Rob Ryan, who was a former BBC documentarian. Oh, okay. awesome. Okay. I and he, and he brought in Deuce Films and also Film Constellations. So there's really kind of three groups we're working with. Awesome. It's all very complicated. But yeah, um, I know that way. they've licensed the film already to like six countries. Oh, I can't Canada, wait to see US, it, Sister Kate. Switzerland, Australia, and so forth. Wow. And how, so they brought you over to Cannes for the premiere just this last May, correct? They uh, brought us to Cannes that we could be there to meet and help them promote to the distributors. It was really a private showing to distributors and a cocktail party for the distributors and so that they could meet. And they did close, like, uh, Canada, Switzerland, and Australia that night. Amazing. And they even paid $50,000 for the exclusive right to uh, distribute that film. And have you watched the movie? Country. Of course. Uh, well, I saw earlier edits. Mm-hmm. You have to understand, for the last year, I've been dealing with my book, finishing my book, The Accidental Nun, which I also wrote in 2014, 
And then the movie, I started to watch the final, and I'm like, oh, I can't stand hearing that woman's story anymore. I'm out of here. And then <laughs> I did see, see it in time. I okay. saw it on the big screen. Amazing. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Are you happy with how it turned out? It was, a, it was a painful journey. The film industry, they're very, they're very manipulative. And so you come out of it feeling a little bit like you've been uh, Taken. assaulted. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So do you want to tell us what you've been up to lately, or can you? Yeah, I mean, I just spent three weeks in Hollywood. I can tell you, like, in sort of ghost brushes yeah of course well it sounds like you're with uh, sister Claire on lockdown in a mansion competing in a reality TV competition between cannabis business owners ooh intriguing and that's probably all I can tell you without violating this contract that could find me a million dollars yeah your NDA we will respect your NDA but that's what we did and it was very exciting and I don't know any details about like when it's going to air it's a private person that's producing it and I don't really know I know that he's planning on producing the whole like first series and then shopping it incredible Amazing. Fun. So the word is yeah, spreading. It was intense. I'm glad to be home. And then I got home. So first it was Cannes for a week, and then it was Toronto for Lyft for mm-hmm. a week, and then it was down to L.A. for three weeks, and then I came home. And um, my son and his girl had twin babies. Oh, so congratulations. They were, a week, they were a week old yesterday. So for the last week I've been staying at their, um, at their place, Amazing. helping them with the twins. How are the babies doing? Are they well? They're beautiful, they're wonderful, they're gaining weight, they're healthy, yes. Perfect. Sorry, I'm a mom as well, so that's a very mom question, but... <laughs> okay, so sister... Yeah, no, I understand, but they're great. I just weighed them yesterday. I took my cannabis scale over there, <laughs> and I weighed them. Of course. With a blanket and a basket, and um, they one gained six ounces. The boys gained six ounces, so like 10% of his body weight, and the girls gained three ounces, so like 5% of her body weight. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Sister Kate, if pizza is a vegetable, then I am also a nun. Can you please tell our listeners and all the women who've connected to high tea and our mission how they can really find this within themselves and almost start to tap into this holy kind of energy that you're referencing on you know on their own on their own journey and yes well there's a couple of things i advise women to do one is um the world is going to have to move towards cannabis and hemp to save the people and to save the planet Mm -hmm. it's a wide open industry you don't have to be any poor anymore just show up show up and wherever you are if you're in the philippines nigeria wherever you are there's a 420 club (laughs) there's a 420 activist thing going on already connect to it so that you can be rewarded. Our lives should not be the struggle they are. All women, by virtue of being born with a sacred portal that delivers babies, should be honored on the planet. And if we wait for the men to do it, we can forget it. Mm -hmm. So we have to take steps towards connecting to that which will heal the people and the planet most effectively. Cannabis and hemp industries, and I honestly believe the women will be rewarded for that. But they also have to reclaim their kitchens, reclaim their kitchens, quit seeing the kitchen as a, a tool of slavery and start seeing that the food preparation 
and any medicines that you make in your case kitchen is a sacred holy connection to your ancient mothers mm-hmm. and then yeah. third start empowering yourself to exit people from your life who are scared of your powers get them out we don't have much time it's the dark night of the globe 60 species a day are going extinct. We have yeah. no time to tolerate reform in those that are getting in the way of us finding our path. Oh, thank so you. Well I needed to thank hear you. that today. <laughs> thank you. A lot of women, I think, need to be given permission to let go. It is mm-hmm. one thing to be tribal. It is another thing to let the old world, and here's what I see, it's, it's another thing to let the old world hang on to you and stop you. They don't get to keep pulling on your skirt and pulling you into the mud. They can't. At some point, you have to lift your skirt, shake them off as your ancient mothers would do, and walk on without them. Yeah. Life's too short. Yeah. Make your own tribe. So, and that is, and that's probably my fourth piece of advice, which is make your own tribe. Start with your stoner friends. There is no more honor uh, right now on this planet than in the stoner culture. You're looking for family values? Look to the stoner culture. That is an ethical, honest, upright culture because they've had to protect each other through prohibition of 100 years. Yes, it's true. true. It's familial. It's familial. It's tribal. It's, oh, oh, I don't care how mad I am. Yeah, Johnny stole my Jeep and took off without telling me, but oh no, I am not calling the police. We don't do that. That's the culture. That's the we take care of our own culture. And so right now, everybody can do themselves a big favor by shaking off. See, I always say too that um, we're we're kind of living through like a civil war uh, or a World War II where like some of the Germans were okay with Jews being exported to concentration camps and some were not and they were in the same family. And then, or in the Civil War, some wanted to keep slavery and some didn't, and they were in the same family. Do you think if my brother believed in slavery, I would continue to keep him at the dinner table with me breaking bread? No, I wouldn't. We, the women, have to get to be more consequential. We have to say, no, 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 you don't get honey and sweetness from me. You voted for Trump. Get out of my way. I don't even want your car in my parking lot. You've already taken a stance against humanity. Right. Yeah. Yep. I love that. Yeah. Uh, I had a question and now it's gone. Uh-oh. I'm sorry. I get going. No, I, I love it. Please don't ever apologize. Whatever, everything <laughs> what, you just said is amazing. What are your thoughts on uh, the stigma and specifically how much it affects women and mm-hmm. how, how women are so nervous about being judged by their peers like my I have a wonderful stoner tribe I have a sister who we've connected with you know she's a figurative sister that we've connected over cannabis and you know the people she has she spends a lot of time with they're for you know they they're very judgmental they make fun of her and her for it and all this kind of thing and she has a hard time Standing up and standing loud and standing proud and, you know, in the face of a lot of criticism. Okay, so first of all, I would tell her, you need to dump all of them. (laughs) For three years. Seriously. Put them on a three-year probation period. For three years, you're going to shut their noise out of your life. And in those three years, you focus on building a tribe of people that are more compassionate. They are flat earthers. This is what I say. They are flat earthers. They are. They believe that the Earth revolves around the Sun. Right. I'm sorry. Uh, that the Sun revolves around the Earth. I was the opposite of the way. They believe that 
they, they, they're too connected to their popular beliefs. They, right. At one time in history, uh, the, it was popular common knowledge that women have smaller brains than men. It was totally a lie, but for 800 years, everybody totally believed that women had smaller brains than men oh, and yeah. therefore shouldn't do certain tasks. I've heard that so in my lifetime. I say to people like that, this is who you are. Um, knowledge and enlightenment won't come to you no matter what because this is who you are. You're hanging on to a belief that scares the shit out of you to let go of. You have to also remember that these people have been shaming people over cannabis their whole life. Mm. You're now asking them to get a new tune and a new song. With a drink you in their hand. You better be ready to you. give them a new tune and a new song. You better be able to hand them and say, hey, look, uh, John Boehner, look up a list of celebrities that have changed their mind on cannabis, who flipped from against it to it, and make them feel like they're in good company. Mm. But also let them know you don't get to, you, for your sake, you're, you're clinging to the fact that the earth is flat. You're clinging to the fact that women have smaller brains than men because you won't see the obvious evidence before your eyes that cannabis heals. Right, yeah. Again, I'm, I'm a little bit of a warrior. I uh, as am I. Yeah. I have I, I a mother whose daughter had 100 seizures a day. We kept She's right here in the valley. We kept sending, sending her product once a month. We sent her CBD for her daughter. Right. After six months, she calls me and she says she hasn't tried it once because she works for the sheriff's department. She's afraid she's going to have her child taken away. Wow. I said, your daughter is having 100 seizures a day and you won't try the CBD? What kind of mother are you? Wow. And I shamed her right back to using the cannabis, and now her daughter has been 14 months seizure-free. Oh, thank God. So, so we, I'm just saying, we all have to get our little warrior on. Yeah. We all have to be a little bit more gangster and badass, and we have to be very consequential, even to our family. Yeah. Sister Kate. Lays it down. <laughs> thank you. Honestly, thank you for sharing your wisdom with us today and with the world and through your products and through your plants. And, you know, we really just, we're so excited to share what you are doing and mm. what you've taught us with the people who are listening because there is, we do feel that sacred connection to the plant and haven't been able to sort of articulate or maybe put the connection together as to why in terms of our sort of ancient wise woman wild woman sort of connection to to it right yeah. right and this is a this is an ongoing discovery which is fun because i didn't have all this crystal crystal clear when i began yeah. it's just that the work that we're all doing in this space is going to bring us all together, and as we come together, we enrich each other, and we can, we're allowed to uh, explore the subject fully and with our heads high, without yeah. feeling any shame, and from that comes greater and greater uh, healing, greater and greater compassion for the people on the planet, and a greater and stronger bond, so we all can do more. Yeah. We can do it together. We can do more together. Yes. Like, yeah. I say when cannabis connects us, like, incredible things grow, right? Yes. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time. Can you shout out, like, your website and all the things so people can check out the sisters and see what you guys are up to? Sure. Sure. Uh, 
Sure. So our retail store, if you need pain products, pain relief products, is www.sistersofcbd.com. We also have a library of testimonials, our media history, if you just want to check us out. That's sistersofvalley.org. And then we also have a wholesale, if you want to get set up to potentially distribute our products, um, then that's that's, uh, sotvwholesale.com. Oh, and I forgot to mention, Sister Claire's going to kick my butt. If you're in Canada, because you guys are in Canada, right? Yeah. Our Canada main sisterhood store is sistersofthevalley.ca. Okay, great. We will check. And then, actually, we want to work over time to reduce the fossil fuel that's burnt to make our products travel. Over time, we want to have a sisterhood in, like, in every country, every province, every town, and reduce the distance from where the medicine is made to how it's consumed. Oh, I love that. And the time, too. I love yeah. that. The, reduce the time and reduce the travel so less fossil fuel burn. And so we return to a more ancient way of distributing our products. Within the community. Agree. Yes. Agree. Oh, yeah. uh, honestly, you are Thank a you bright both. I think light. You have a very holy mission. I very appreciate you. Um, we appreciate the time you and having interest in us. Well, we and appreciate if you. Ever you. Thank to come you. Out to California, you're welcome to come visit our farm. Oh, we oh would God, adore that. We'll take you up on that absolutely. Thank you so much for your your soul work and your mission. And you honestly are a bright light and just the greatest energy. So, thank you. It's been such a pleasure today, Sister Kate. I feel okay. like I was meant to hear you today. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. I'm glad. Thank you both. The blessings. And uh, do let me know when you can arrange a visit out here. Yeah. We'll do. And we'll let you know when the episode's live going up next week. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Have a Love lovely day. Bye. Bye. How good was she? She's amazing. I I mean, they're both so amazing. Yeah. I learned a lot. I learned a lot from both of them as well. I hope everyone else did. Yeah, I learned a lot. You know, especially just about just respecting it and honoring it a bit Mm -hmm. more and just honoring the Mm -hmm. call to it, you know, within myself. But yeah, yeah, I mean, Sister Kate said those four things at the end there that I think they resonate so much with me because they're, I feel like, the journey that I'm on, like mm-hmm. you, exactly where I'm at in my life. And maybe you too, like number one, the idea that cannabis can save the people and the planet mm-hmm. and that it, the women can do that. Yeah, for sure. And that women are the ones driving that forward. Mm-hmm. I feel that. And I feel like that's the whole feminist movement that's happening right now. I think that's a, a part of it for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah. we heard it from Scarlett too. Yeah, we right? did. We did. That the women are waking the world up to it. Mm-hmm. And I, again, it's because it's that female plant. Yeah. Number two, reclaiming the kitchen yeah. and using food and plants as medicines for yeah. ourselves. Like that's, I'm, you know, nutrition is medicine is right. Yeah, it's preventative medicine yeah. and, and herbalism and starting to understand all that stuff mm. and taking control of your life yeah. back. And I don't know if she literally meant like, reclaiming the kitchen as in women have to be in the kitchen because she's a feminist through and through I took it no, to she mean did. she did but I'm I mean I'm gonna twist it my way because I cannot <laughs> like, fucking cook for shit kitchen. like my husband does all of the cooking full disclosure but I do believe in the sense that 
what you just said, like nutrition is medicine and we really need to be thinking about what we're putting in and on our bodies at all times. Exactly. I mean, my father died from leukemia, which is a fully environmental cancer. Wow. And that's something that maybe necessarily couldn't have been prevented, but we yeah. really need to start thinking about how we treat our bodies um, when it comes to to ailment. And it has to be preventative and Absolutely. not, not like, you know, chemo and all that shit. Anyway, it's all nutrition. Michelle Ranty over. I love it. <laughs> Number three, empower yourselves to exit people from your life mm-hmm. who are getting in your way. I love that. Getting in your understanding, getting yeah. in your journey. That's resonant. Yeah. That's a boom. I don't boom. know if you, have you naturally kind of exited people? I feel like I just do that on my own and not realize that it's happening. But then I come out on the other side and I realize that I'm better for not having certain people in my life. Yeah. It's like, it's a bit like molting, isn't it? You yeah. just sort of like you're changing. I mean, I feel like I'm changing every day. You Same. change as you go. Yeah. And you just leave some stuff behind. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely, people have exited. People have exited. People have been exited. (laughs) Uh, And number four. Number four. Make your own tribe. It's what's happening. It's what's happening with us. It's what's happening with our listeners and with all the stuff that we have going and building for you guys this summer. Yeah. Like, she's right. She's so right. She's right. There is honor in the stoner culture. Call it whatever. whatever. Cannabis culture. Yeah. You yeah. know, there is. Yeah. And even outside of cannabis culture, making sure that you have the right people in your life who are going to support you no matter what your decisions are. Yeah. And knowing that you attract the energy and the efforts and stuff of the people mm-hmm. you spend the most time with. Right. Yeah. So you got to make your own drive. They got to be on your wavelength. High yeah. vibe. Duh. It's like, it's common sense. It feels like. But it's just great to hear from wise women, to hear the truth, to hear some insight, to hear it articulated in like such a beautiful way from them both. Like, I loved this episode. Me too. Yeah. Hope you guys liked it too. Thanks for listening. Check us out on Insta at hightea.life. Like us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Anchor. And holla at your girls at www.hightea.life.